0: Welcome to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories podcast. My name is Dr. Brandon Beck, and I am so excited for you to be here to join us today. The goal of this show is to amplify the stories of amazing people, which serve as inspiration for your journey. Your story matters. It tells us who you are and who you want to be. Enjoy this opportunity to hear from these innovative thought leaders as they discuss what it means to unlock unlimited potential. If you are looking for an opportunity to connect further with me after this show, please visit BrandonBeckEDU.com to learn more about my speaking, coaching, consulting, and other offerings that are designed to help you and your organization find greater results in your journey. All right, welcome to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories show. It is so great to be here with you all. I have a pretty amazing person to share with you all today. We were just chatting for a long time on the pre-show about her experience through education, through urban and suburban education, from teaching to leading to principal, and just a really awesome story as well as some amazing research to share on perception and gender bias, and such a really interesting person I'm excited to share with you all today, ladies and gentlemen, Julia Drake. Julia, how you doing?
1: Good, thank you so much for having me.
0: No, it's my pleasure. I'm glad we were able to connect. And just looking at your resume and looking at connecting with you over time, it was just that I got lost in in writing down (laughs) the long list of things. (laughs) that you have done throughout your career, a pretty, a, a pretty amazing career with a lot of versatility that I think is pretty amazing and admirable. So Thank let's you. just kind of start there. Tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your story into education.
1: Oh, sure. Thank you. Well, I I was uh, um, in the New York City Teaching Fellows. I, I'm, I'll go teach and maybe in that experience, something will hit me that will help me understand the trajectory for the rest of my life. Um, So i joined the new york city teaching fellows i was a special education teacher teaching self-contained my 20th year now Um, so it's been it's been quite a ride i I was the special education teacher there i became a reading coach there um and then i uh had a conversation with my superintendent at the time about the new york city leadership academy um it was at the time a relatively new uh, experience in new york city where you could uh interview and if you were accepted become a principal with the goal of turning around failing schools uh, in New York City and like really, and then we're put in some really high need schools. And uh, uh, I learned so much and it really shaped who I am. I, I found it to be incredibly uh, worthwhile, super challenging, but, but an incredible experience. And um, during that time, I, I became aware, another person reached out to me about a position in my current district and I went for it and uh and have been here ever since as an elementary school principal here. So I was a began my principal career in Bushwick, Brooklyn, as an elementary school principal there. And um now I'm in Dobbs Ferry and I, I uh the rest is history. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that is awesome. Now I was having a little issue with my connection there, so I apologize. So I'm not sure if I have to do any editing here, so I will double check and I will check that, but I'm just gonna recap the beginning of your career a little bit because we were, I just wanna make sure that everybody knows that you started as a bit of a, uh, let's call it a career change, but out of college, right? Yeah, out of yeah, out, out of college. So mm-hmm. you, you were a poli-sci major mm-hmm. and you decided that you were going to get into the education side of things, right? Yeah, and right. that led you to the teaching fellows, which I'm not sure if a lot of people are familiar with that, but in New York City, they have a program where they basically will fund your master's. That's right. And But you're going to be on the ground in the school from day one of mm-hmm. your learning. So it's a very, very intensive program. And the one requirement is that you can't have undergraduate education in education. So it is for people who are just throwing themselves into the oven and seeing what's happening. So I think that's really important to, to share for some of our listeners out there that may not be familiar with New York and how that works. It's a really amazing program. And I've seen incredible teachers go through it. And the grind that you have to go through to do it is is pretty wild. I imagine the uh, the school leadership one was similar.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And so the benefit of working in a, a district like the New York City Department of Ed is they have these incredible opportunities where you can really help advance yourself, like professionally, and 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 they support you in doing that. So that's both how I got my master's and my admin certificate. Um, through those programs, and and yeah, they were really intensive, and and you did a lot of learning on the ground in real time, which is, I think, in some ways, the best way to learn. And some of those most challenging experiences I will never forget, but it helped shape who I am today, um, for sure. And it's great perspective. Um, you know, there's challenges wherever you go, but it's really helpful to have had what seems like the hardest experience under your belt (laughs) to help you adapt later.
0: But it's interesting to me that you went from somebody who started out in poli sci, but then you ended up participating in the policy fellowship. So, you know, that's interesting to see that connection that you were really on the same path. You just needed a little tweaking of how you were going to use your tools to serve others.
1: Oh my! That, I'm so glad you mentioned that. You're right. That was the first moment that I felt like my life kind of came full circle again, with, with from beginning to to present. I joined the educational policy fellowship program, and was really able to dive into that world. So we went to Washington D.C. and and we learned a lot about how policy is made and who's informing those decisions. And uh, my whole grind there was really like the policy people need to listen to the people on the ground to influence the decisions that they're making and i mean that's trickled into everything i've done even my doctoral work um and i remember this sense of uh peaks and valleys like when i was in washington like oh, i could do this like I could really affect change and then also being um in awe of the obstacles that are in the way of that and th- how difficult that truly could be um, and and I'm excited because I actually just got accepted to the advanced leadership program through the, the, that's related to EPFP. And I'm going to be one of five representatives from New York State in a multi-state group doing similar work again. So
0: amazing. You just keep going and you don't stop. It's, uh, you know, it's interesting yeah. to see. <laughs> it, it it's, it's really interesting. You know, you keep going, you don't stop. You have this passion inside of you that keeps you wanting to do more and learn more, of course, Mm -hmm. along the way, which I think is pretty amazing. Do we have to give a shout out? Is that a Bob Munson shout out? It is a Bob
1: Munson shout out. That's right.
0: The the Policy Institute (laughs) at Teachers College.
1: Shout out
0: to Bob Munson, Dr. Bob Munson, for sure. Yeah, that is such a cool program. Um, that they run over there, and, and he was always raving about it, and always talking about it. And I was always oh, talking I to him about it. Such a cool it thing. To
1: anybody who'd like to consider it.
0: Yeah, and so you know, as you've gone throughout all this, you also continued, and you've been researching, and that you you know you defended a, a dissertation a couple of years ago, and now mm-hmm. you're you know speaking and getting the opportunity to share this work. We were just talking on the pre-show about keeping the work going. And we talked about your work. And so what would you say your work is related to? I know you've published a couple of journal articles and you have one kind of that's coming out soon as well. Um, talk a little bit about where is your work focused on after all of this experience? Because you spent a lot of time building research after all this experience, this is a really wild experience, your thoughts on policy, your thoughts on perception, your thoughts on leadership, all of that. Talk a little bit about what you've been doing lately.
1: Well, so part of what I achieved in my dissertation was that I proved that I had a tool, I've developed a tool that is statistically significant and valid as far as measuring female's perceptions of unconscious gender bias. So I have a tool, if people care to use it, that could inform policymakers, boards of ed, state ed departments, people about the female superintendent's experience. Um, I think it's really important for people to understand. My whole life has kind of been um, you know, I, I, my, I was very fortunate. I was, my family raised me to, to feel like I could pursue whatever interested me. They supported me a hundred percent and my siblings. And, and I always had this d- desire for fairness, right? So like, even when I was a kid at church and women weren't allowed to be altar servers, you know, I would leave little suggestions in the church suggestion box, like, what would Jesus say about that? You know, like, and then when females could be altar servers, the pastor called me and was like, we'd like you to be the first one. And that kind of gave me this great opportunity to reflect on, wow, I can, I can maybe change something about this. And, and kind of keeping in line with that notion of fairness, I entered our doctoral program with this question about salary. And, you know, I have, many colleagues male and and female and there was some discrepancies between like what I'm making what my male colleagues were making um that made me curious you know and then in our research at our doctoral program, we look for those gaps right between rhetoric male and the percent of superintendents that are female. It's almost the inverse of the teaching force. and so I'm saying to myself, okay, nearly seventy eight percent of teachers are female, but only twenty seven percent of superintendents are female, right so how is this? How is this happening? And my research led me to understand that gender bias is one of the one of the barriers to equality there. Um, and this notion of unconscious gender bias, not not necessarily outright, but very kind of embedded in the norms of organizations. Right? There's a, a theory of organizational like gendered organizations. Joan Acker who that like says, it's not necessarily the people, it's these systems in the organization that just continue to reproduce this, these norms that are biased. And we talked about this earlier, just, you know, promoting this a leader as male kind of theory or just a leader like strength versus stamina, show no weakness, dog eat dog. And like, that's the way to achieve success as a leader. you know and i think my experiences and my own practice i've tried to demonstrate that it's not the only way um to to lead and uh so anyway I, I in doing all of this research i came upon a tool that measured unconscious gender bias um in academia i got permission from the the researchers that that wrote that piece to to adapt the tool for female superintendents and i did it and then i i tested it statistically and it, it it's um Effective. Then I then I should have I could have just stopped there, but in keeping in line with my nonstop theme of life, I decided I would also send the survey out. And not initially, I thought I'd do it regionally. Then I did it nationally. So um, I, I I knew there were only you know there's like over thirteen thousand superintendents, and so I sent it out nationally. I spent an inordinate amount of time g- gathering. Uh, email addresses. And I ended up, I ended up receiving responses from 532 female superintendents across the country from 41 of the 50 states. So, so what I'm doing now, like I, I recently spoke at the New York State Council School Superintendents Women's Initiative. I'm just trying to publicize that I have a tool. So, it, you know, if you care to use this tool, if you care to know the plight of the, the female superintendents, you know, Please do. And and then it will put certain things um, you know, out in the forefront. We'll have a similar conversation about challenges or, or, or things might come to light that people may not quite realize. Um and so that's kind of where I am right now.
0: Yeah. And talk a little bit more about some of the things that you recommend now from your findings regarding how can we remove and well, not, you can't remove a, a, a gender stereotype, right? But how can we be more conscious of our gender biases?
1: So, so I, it's it's very interesting. I part of it, I, I offer suggestions. I like, you know could take a implicit bias test to see if if you yourself may have any implicit bias. Um, the I also though talk about maybe the sources of the potential bias, right? Or the perceptions of bias, right? I recognize this is all based on perceptions. Uh, uh, but however, perceptions have value, right? <laughs> that, they, that is the experience of, of the female superintendent. So I, I um, in my, my research was able to sh- demonstrate that the women are experiencing or reporting experiences of, of bi- perceptions of bias from sources primarily other than colleagues um which was really encouraging and the and the younger newer superintendents were reporting even more collegiality um than not so that's like these are good signs and in my opinion of the of the actual uh workplace experience though you you have to think about like what do superintendents encounter right that is maybe not from colleagues so could it be members of the community parents elected officials boards of education you know and and so Kind of putting our focus there, so help those parties understand the uh, experience of a female superintendent, um, and and also sharing the results. So some of the greatest perceptions of bias, helping people understand what those are, so that they can maybe self-check in an experience with a woman moving forward. So I was sharing the, the strongest indicators of unconscious bias. For, for me, based on my responses from the superintendents, were that people see ambitiousness differently for men and women, um, like strong-minded versus bossy, right? Um, also, people aren't necessarily comfortable being subordinate to a woman. And more situations of gender bias occur um, than are acknowledged in the, in the profession. So a, a, like a primary goal of mine is just to say, like, hey, it exists. Like just understand that that this is happening. And I have a number of really powerful quotes from women that um, I interviewed or that answered my survey that just shed light on a lot of the experiences that they've had. Um, And it's important to just share and and get it out there so people hear it and understand that, that this is what people are experiencing.
0: No, I love that. That's the story right? The power of the story. Isn't that really what it comes down to in the end when you talk about asking these questions and having people share bits and pieces about themselves from all over the world? It's collecting those stories and those stories are based on people's perception and perception is really important because perception leads to that self-efficacy. How do I feel about myself?
1: 100 percent. so yeah and and i and i i really wanted to author this also for women you know most of the women that answered my survey wanted to know the results and and you know when you look at this this ratio of of men versus women in the superintendency and wondering kind of what's holding people up and if there are women that are interested i wanted to help them see that it can be done that others are doing it um you know i found some some really interesting um i i also overlaid this with a lot of demographics because I personally was very curious. You know, I I'm I am married, I have children, I you know I am of a certain age, and I I wanted to know how reflective um, the superintendency that is in the superintendency, and I was able. You know, there are mothers of of non adult age children doing that work, and there are you know there, it's it's not the majority, but it exists. Um, and you know I I. I also learned that one of the most shocking things I've I've learned is that the the mode the when you I asked the participants how long have you been a superintendent um and the mode was two years so the most frequently answered question was two years versus men where research says the average is like 16 so it's like we're trying to break that glass ceiling a little bit but we're but we're having a hard time staying and what are those what are those reasons um so it. It, it, it's been really interesting and um, you know, great organizations like the New York State Association for Women Administrators, NYSAWA, it's, it's like a, a branch of NSCUS, the New York State Council School of Superintendents. They do such great work um, helping female administrators network with one another and bolster their confidence. That's actually where I first learned, you, you had asked me um, to think about like rising by lifting others. It was at an ISAWA conference that I, I first kind of heard this notion that sometimes women are, are our own worst enemies. Like we kind of cut each other down instead of building one each other up. And that really um, kind of resonated with me. I reflect on my own practice and how I support the women around me and help them unlock their unlimited potential because, um, you know, we have to all kind of be in this together. So...
0: I'd even be more interested now to learn how many of them have left the profession because we're all hearing about the the people who are leaving. And, and I know personally I've seen in the connections of people that I know I've seen not necessarily people leaving but shifting and moving positions. And mm-hmm. I'd be interested in, in also too like how, what does this say about how long, like what, did you ever come up to any work of like how connected to how long they had been in that particular district District or how long, were there any correlations there?
1: Um No, in fact, I, I, if I were to ever pick up the pen again and, and continue this um, from the research angle, it would be really neat to do like a profile of the districts where they've been successful and spent the most time.
0: Um, yeah, that's a full-time no- job.
1: Uh huh. Exactly. But they—they, they, you know, when you when you think about it, it's only really most of them said they've only been in their current position two years. So it's it's hard to get the longevity, you know, in any in anywhere for for that kind of and a closer look at things. But um, yeah, I, I think it's incredibly hard. I mean, I I feel it as a principal. I know my my teachers feel it it's been a really challenging couple of of years and um i i personally want to focus kind of on enhancing my the organizational wellness of my own school and staff this year um because i it's really important in order to keep the work moving forward and it is you know you it is um possible to just plow onward at work and just put your head down and just let kind of the way that it is be the way that it is, or or you can kind of look up and try to make some changes for the better and be a part of that. And um, I'm hoping that there's people interested in doing that enough that they could hear hear what I've found and, and understand that this is a lot of women telling you this from a lot of parts of the country, rural, suburban, urban, I asked, that was part of the, the demographic, you know, so that kind of capture a sense, a a very broad and diverse sense of the female experience. Give them those opportunities and see what happens. You know, when people, I think the societal norms kind of came up a lot in my work, right? It's just kind of perpetuating status quo, what you just know to be. Like, this is the way we function at work. This is the way that we function in society. Um, If you can be brave enough to kind of flip that on its head and give women more opportunities to lead, then more people will have exposure to that as a, as a thing. And that might adjust our, our understanding of the status quo and, and the norm that, and then just kind of now that I've raised these, these points, call it out. So when you see it, if you're, if you're now educated, you understand people give women a harder time for being ambitious than they would for men. Right. And if you see that happening, do something, like say something. So I think if we all, you know, work together, We can really help um, move the work forward.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that we're seeing a lot more of these conversations happening over the last few years, especially since the pandemic and all the crazy things that have happened in those years. And so we're seeing it from this side of the coin. And now we're seeing schools that are starting to have these conversations more. It doesn't seem like these conversations that you're having now are something that is as out of the ordinary. Mm -hmm. It seems like something that is happening more often, absolutely, around schools. And I'm seeing it also in, you know, around the states and things that I'm seeing as well, just out there in the world that people are presenting about. So this is definitely some current stuff that is, well, first of all, it's pretty groundbreaking in my opinion, which I think is pretty awesome. And the fact that you have a statistical tool that is that is proven um, and it's relevant is even more amazing. And I think hoping that anybody that's listening to this out there or anybody that knows somebody that mm-hmm. may be connecting with some of the things you're saying regarding, you know, being a school leader as a female. I'm hoping that they'll connect with you. Um, and I'm hoping that you'll also share this episode with somebody who's out there and and learn more about this tool and learn more about ways to keep moving forward. You know, you've talked about a lot of people and teachers in your career that have been super inspiring and super helpful. And one thing we do on this show is we dedicate it to somebody who's out there unlocking unlimited potential in all whom they serve. And for the first time in the history of the show, <laughs> we are going to dedicate it to two people. So um, <laughs> tell me about these awesome two people. Cause listen, you, you just have two awesome people. I had to agree with you on this one.
1: Oh, well you're very kind. I'm so sorry to break break with practice. New York City Leadership Academy, um, as how I learned to become a principal and the vice president of that academy, Marlene filowich Um uh, was with us last night. And she's always been a, a real champion of the work and and su- uh, supporting equity and achievement for all. And she was an incredible teacher to me, um, extremely you know high standards. You just want to rise to kind of just be a fraction of, of what she's been in her career. And Alice Brown, so she was my mentor principal when I first was learning how to become a principal. She was incredible then leading a school of about 1,200 kids by herself. And now she's the senior executive director of policy and evaluation for the DOE. So she's making incredible things happen for so many children throughout New York City. Um, so Marlene helping develop leaders of tomorrow in districts all over and and Alice doing such good work. They're real inspirations to me. And I thought, oh my gosh, how fitting. I just, met with them uh, last night I' doing this this morning. and it was like the perfect opportunity to thank them um for kind of champion championing me, and then also just for doing the great work that they do. And both of these women have just looked out for me and always been kind of an inspiration uh, to me. So I thought it was super fitting to re- you know mention them.
0: Perfect. Yes, absolutely shout <coughs> out to Alice mm-hmm. and Marlene. New York leaders. Love it. Appreciate you all for being amazing. Thank you for everybody and their support and continuing to do all that they're doing out there. And so we've talked about a lot of really amazing things on this show. I love the fact how you talk about taking risks, but you also model taking risks throughout your career. And I think that that's admirable to to remember for people who are listening to this show when they connect with you and when they learn about you is that you've always continued to push yourself, always learned, but always took you know, the next level forward and always pushing yourself to advance things for others. And I think that's really, popu- really important and a really popular thing that I, I love to see out there. And hopefully we can continue to see more of that from more people as well. So we've been talking about it on the show, unlocking I, uh, unlimited potential, are you ready?
1: Yeah. Well, if I may, can I just say one thing about what you just said?
0: thousand percent.
1: I think that um, my work and, and learning about the experience of so many other women across the country in various settings has really helped me because it is when you take risks and when you put yourself out there and you're trying, inevitably, you're not always going to succeed on your first attempt. And ironically, I've had a number of experiences, especially recently, where I am living my dissertation. Like I am experiencing this kind of bias and barriers to my own advancement firsthand. And it's very, it's been challenging and it's also though been comforting and inspiring to know that there's other women in the country doing that same thing, still keeping their head up, still putting one foot in front of the other. And um, to me, like doing the hard work, you know, I, 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 I can there are at least 532 of them that, that I can, can attest to. and uh, that's been inspiring. So I just wanted to give all of the people who participated in my study a shout out and a thank you for, for doing the work um, and being part of that small percent of, of female who, females who are being superintendents. Um, okay, are
0: I'm you ready? ready. Unlocking <laughs> unlimited potential means.
1: Unlocking unlimited potential, especially as it relates to my work, means that tap, we tap into all people because all people have potential, not just some. And I think when you unlock unlimited potential, you see potential in everyone around you and then you try to help grow that. Um, I think you find, you know, as, as it relates to my work, finding what's within you already, having the confidence to pursue it and knowing that what the other... F- that there are other females experiencing this in the world and maybe that will help you take a next step forward
0: yes love that i love it keep going keep moving forward we will have connections to the links to some of your articles and some of your work in the show notes um for people to continue to check out so please if you're listening check out the show notes so you can check those out and learn more about this awesome work and hopefully help us continue to see this work go to the next level, because this is work that is current. This is work that's important. And this is work that inspires honest conversations that we need to be having to continue to love each other and love all and make this a place where we can continue to be safe and happy and learning. And that sounds pretty awesome to me. What do you think, Julia?
1: I agree. That's a good good standard to try to rise to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So if you haven't had a chance to check out the Something for You newsletter, what are you waiting for? It is a free newsletter that comes out on the 1st and 15th of every month. Head on over to brandonbeckedu.com to sign up now. If you missed it, a, a, the 1st or the 15th, sign up and you'll be sent with the, lead, the latest one that has come out. And I hope that you will join us and check out what we are showing and what we are doing, because it's great to share resources with you from my heart, but also resources that are out there that people are asking for in the field that are helping them to accomplish the challenges ahead. And if you love this show, remember, subscribe to the show, share the show, like the show, send it to a friend, send it to somebody who needs it. But most importantly, give us a shout out on our spaces all spaces social medias and check us out all right julia that is the end of my long rant to just tell everybody (laughs) to stay connected because we got more great stuff coming so i appreciate you i appreciate that i appreciate you joining me and i thank you for your time and i hope that you have an amazing day
1: thank you so much same to you thanks for doing the work that
0: I appreciate that and to all our listeners out there remember that the journey towards unlocking unlimited potential it begins with you and continue to educate with passion and purpose